Hello and welcome back to another episode of Still So Young with Maggie and Reese. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Maddie. Thank you so much for coming on, Maddie. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to talk to you about everything that you do. But before we get into everything, just a reminder to everyone listening, please remember to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Still So Young Podcast. Tag us in your stories if you're listening. We love to see it. And don't forget to rate us five stars. Um, okay, so what would younger you be happy about today, Reese? Uh, <laughs> younger Reese would – what would she be happy about? She was Honestly, she's pretty cranky. Um <laughs> Younger Reese would be happy about watching her idol, Taylor Swift, dance to her own songs at the club celebrating her boyfriend's Super Bowl win. That that was something I didn't know I needed to see in my lifetime, and um, I got to see it online, and now I'm really happy because she is as equally as fun dancing to her stuff as all of us are and it was lovely to see yes <laughs> i that you honestly stole mine oh, sorry. um i <laughs> no it's okay <laughs> i am obsessed with just seeing how happy taylor is and just that. being with him and everything also did you see that she posted on YouTube, like, something, Wait. like, I took my parents to the after party, like, it oh, was a bad yeah. idea. <laughs> I saw it on TikTok, and, like, he was dancing, and her parents looked, like, kind of uncomfortable because they were at the club, and I'm assuming they <laughs> in their 60s plus, maybe? But, yeah. Maddie, yeah, you can't tell we're big Taylor funny. Swift fans. <laughs> no, I, I listen to your podcast. I know. <laughs> I was gonna say she probably knows. I think she listens. Yeah, I, I do. That knows me knows <laughs> at this point. Yeah, same. It's just part of our personality. Yep. It is. This is so weird. It feels like I'm eavesdropping on the podcast, but I'm here very meta. <laughs> no, you're the guest. It feels even more meta when you like listen to yourself on the podcast. So, like, come Thursday, yeah. listening to yourself oh talk on it. Yeah. it's. I've it's never, fun. ever listened to a podcast that I've been on. I'm always like, well, that's out there in the world. And whatever I said, I said. And I'm never, I'm never going to know. Mystery to me. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, sometimes I don't even listen to the full episode. Um, that's fair. Because I do want to, like, in a weird way, like, support our podcast. <laughs> So I'll like I'll start it and then I'll just be like I can't listen to myself talk anymore. It's so weird. <laughs> and I well, turn it off. Especially like we go every other with editing. So if it's the one that like you personally edited, you've already talked it, edited it, and then listening to it for like another time, it's like oh, I could shut up now. Yeah. But yeah. Like you were there. You were there a couple of times. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have that. Burn also. In. 
talking about our podcast while we're recording is also kind of meta. So this is just a funny conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, okay, Maddie, what would your younger self be happy about this week? Younger me would be really happy that I got to work outside all week, even though it was the winter. Um, She didn't, I like younger me in college thought she was going to be working at a neurology lab forever. And I don't do that anymore. And she would be very stoked that she doesn't have to cut up dead brains. They smelled. Okay. I was going to ask, did they smell? (laughs) That was like, yeah, no, they thought they like, they smell bad, but they like cut like cheese. And it's just really, it's not what I wanted in my life ever. Uh, Okay. I have more questions on that. Great. In a second, but (laughs) we're going to loop back to that one. Um, What would younger Maggie be happy about? Uh, Hey, I said it already. Taylor and Travis just, honestly, Travis kind of gave me the ick at the Super Bowl, but to be fair, like they literally won the Super Bowl, so whatever. It's fine. He can be... He can be extra if he wants to be. I don't know. I just, it was such like a love story of seeing her on the field. I was like, this is real life Cinderella story. <laughs> like, I love this. It was just so cute. Hang on, Maddie. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to talk to you about everything that you do but before we get into everything just a reminder to everyone listening please remember to follow us on instagram and tiktok at still so young podcast tag us in your stories if you're listening we love to see it and yeah (laughs) and don't forget to rate us five stars give us some good reviews and stuff it helps our podcast grow um okay so what would younger you be happy about today reese uh (laughs) younger reese would what would she be happy about she was honestly she's pretty cranky um younger reese would be happy about Watching her idol, Taylor Swift, dance to her own songs at the club, celebrating her boyfriend's Super Bowl win. That that was something I didn't know I needed to see in my lifetime. And um, I got to see it online. And now I'm really happy because she is as equally as fun dancing to her stuff as all of us are. And it was lovely to see. Yes, I, that, you honestly stole mine. Oh, sorry. Um, I, (laughs) no, it's okay. (laughs) I am obsessed with just seeing how happy Taylor is. Just being with him and everything. Also, did you see that she posted on YouTube, like, Something Wait. like I took my parents to the after party, like it was oh, a bad idea. <laughs> I saw it on TikTok and like he was dancing and her parents looked like kind of uncomfortable because they were at the club and I'm assuming they're <laughs> in their 60s plus maybe. But yeah. 
Maddie, yeah, you can't tell we're big Taylor Swift fans. <laughs> no, I, I listen to your podcast. I know. <laughs> I was going to say, she probably knows. I think she listens. Yeah, I, I do. Anyone that knows me knows <laughs> at this point. Yeah, same. It's just part of our personality. Yep. It is. This is so weird. It feels like I'm eavesdropping on the podcast, but I'm here. Very meta. <laughs> no you're the guest it feels even more meta when you like listen to yourself on the podcast so like come thursday listening to yourself talk on it yeah it's i've never ever listened to a podcast that i've been on i'm always like well that's out there in the world and whatever i said i said and i'm never never gonna know mystery to me (laughs) yeah honestly sometimes i don't even listen to the full episode um that's fair because I do want to, like, in a weird way, like, support our podcast. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'll, like, I'll start it and then I'll just be like, I can't listen to myself talk anymore. It's so weird. <laughs> and I well, turn it off. Especially, like, we go every other with editing. So if it's the one that, like, you personally edited, you've already talked it, edited it, and then listening to it for, like, another time, it's like, oh, I could shut up now yeah yeah like you were there you were there a couple of times <laughs> I have that also in. talking about our podcast while we're recording is also kind of meta so this is just <laughs> a funny conversation <laughs> uh, okay. anyways okay Maddie what would your younger self be happy about this week younger me would be really happy that I got to work outside all week even though it was the winter um she didn't – I like, younger me in college thought she was going to be working at a neurology lab forever, and I don't do that anymore, and she would be very stoked that she doesn't have to cut up dead brains. They smelled. Okay, I was going to ask, did they smell? That was, like, yeah, my no, first they, thought. They, like, they smell bad, but they, like, cut, like, cheese, and it's just really – it's not what I wanted in my life ever. Uh, okay, gross. I have more questions that, on that. Great. Oh. In a second, but we're gonna loop back to that one. Um, what would younger Maggie be happy about? Uh, hey, I said it already. Taylor and Travis just honestly, Travis kind of gave me the ick this on the, at the Super Bowl, but to be fair, like they literally won the Super Bowl, so whatever, yeah. it's fine. He can be. He can be extra if he wants to be. I don't know. I just. It was such like a love story of seeing her on the field. I was like, this is real life Cinderella story. <laughs> like, I love this. It was just so cute. Do you guys yeah. buy into the theory that the like the Super Bowl was rigged for like PR for Taylor Swift so that they could make money off the relationship? Have you heard that one? I've heard that one. And to be honest, I get it. <laughs> I don't know if I believe it. I don't know. I, I don't know if I believe it. Either. I like don't know anything about the NFL, but I'm like interesting. I feel like it could kind of also just be like a happy accident on their end. I get any football person that's gonna listen to this is like, no, it's rigged. The Chiefs always win. Blah 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 blah. Everyone <laughs> hates was... the Chiefs for some reason. I don't know. I was just like remembering conversations that I've heard recently, and it usually just ends up going blah 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 blah. blah when talking about football but um (laughs) people who hate the chiefs are gonna say it's rigged and it's all because of taylor swift and that they shouldn't have won and whatnot but 
I kind of, I don't know. I think that they wouldn't do that. I think they have made the absolute best out of the situation that they have been handed. And they're going to make all the money off of it. I'm sure they're not upset by it at all. No. You know, because obviously the audience, the viewership is skyrocketing for the female audience. Yeah, and they've sold so, so much more stuff. They are, they're probably pretty happy. Just, I don't know. They're living that their best life. Sense. I did hear there. there's like another conspiracy theory about how for the Super Bowl logo every year, there's always like different colors. And so like the different colors of the teams that end up in the Super Bowl are always the same or something. It wasn't the same this year. So I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Because people thought it'd be the Ravens 49ers because of the colors originally. Yeah. Yeah. Then it wasn't. I love a good yeah. NFL conspiracy. People really like <laughs> there's a lot of time that these guys have on their hands. Yeah. The NFL is just it's so fun. It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> this year was fun with the NFL. I think though, <laughs> I've decided this might be my first and last year watching football. I was just like sitting there Sunday and I was just like, this, this isn't for me. I don't care enough to sit and watch TV. And um, so I'm tapped out. I'm retiring. Yeah. I yep. think football is just boring to watch on TV most of the time. So <laughs> I'd rather be outside or sleeping. Yeah, I was. I was watching the Super Bowl and I'm like, is this is this supposed to be this boring? I'm bored. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, so maybe that's why. But like everyone around me seems way more interested than I am. <laughs> I well. was I I don't know. I I've kind of grown to love it just because my boyfriend loves watching it. So it's just fun for us to enjoy some quality time and watch together. But if I was single, I definitely wouldn't be watching unless it was this season because of Taylor Swift. <laughs> I do. I would. I will admit to that. <laughs> so, Maggie, uh, what would our viewers be happy about? Yeah, I was just going to say Natalie said discovering new amazing running trails right by my house. Um, That's cool, Natalie. Love that for you. That is super cool. And I want to know where these trails are. Because I'm really bored of just running the lake walk. Emma said, was sick this last week and allowed myself to truly rest and heal. Good for you. That's good. Happy that you were able to do that. Molly said, using skills to overcome anxiety, which has empowered me to deal with and try new things. Love that for you. I also deal with anxiety, so I feel that. Especially today, I dealt with some, <laughs> but that's a story for a different day. Um, as always, you can always send in your what would younger you be happy about on our Instagram. We put up a story every Monday. Make sure you drop yours in. All right, Maddie. Okay, so as you mentioned, you uh, used to cut up brains. So how do you go from cutting up brains to being an outdoor content creator, influencer, photographer, writer, 
guide, explorer, whatever other words you would use to describe yourself. <laughs> um, how'd you go from A to B? Yeah. So I, the brains that I cut up were never human brains. I feel like that's a really important disclaimer. They didn't give me any of those to play with. Um, mostly <laughs> sheeps. <laughs> but yeah, I was a senior in college and I did my degree in neuroscience and I just was really not vibing with it. Um, I didn't like the smells primarily, but like I also didn't really like the sights either. And um, I had like this college, everyone has a college boyfriend who they hate. Um, and I like actively, <laughs> no, you you know what I mean. You're like dating this dude and you're like, I don't even really like him as a person. <laughs> yeah. So I had a college boyfriend who I hated. And just like. That is the most accurate statement I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, some girls marry that dude. And that was like my biggest fear when I, I was dating him. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope like, he's like, do you think we should get married next year? And I'm like, no, <laughs> buddy. No, no I don't. Um, I do so not I want to. I broke up with him. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think he was like, he was literally like, do you think we should get, uh, I hope he doesn't listen to this. I did block him. So he has no access to my content because sometimes <laughs> it's about him. And I'm like, that's so mean, but like, content mine Uh, so he was like do you think we should get married like I'll propose underneath our little college tower it'll be so romantic and I was like oh god like absolutely not I do not think that at all I'm not even like I'm not happy with my degree I'm definitely not happy with you so I dumped him that was like step a and then I just was kind of like looking at the rest of the like life I had laid out during my first three years of college and I was like this is really not what I want I don't know like where I got the idea that I wanted to be a doctor. I'm not good at it. I don't like I pass out in like medical scenarios. Like I was helping in a hospital and I passed out like a couple of times. People will do it like once a couple of times is too many. Um, so I'm like, I don't, I need to not work with blood. I think that's the answer. And I was, I got this book. It's called Spirited Waters by Jennifer Hahn. And it's about her solo through kayak of the inside passage, which is the route from they can't see my hands, but you can. Um, Seattle, Washington, <laughs> all the way up to Skagway, Alaska. And she'd paddled yeah. it by herself. And I read that book and I was like, oh, I think that's what I want to do. I want to I want to kayak. And so I, it was like the end of my senior year and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I started cold emailing um, outfitters or like the business that t- runs guided tours and being like, do you guys want to guide with no experience? Um, I have a really open mind and I'm really excited about it. Um, and I've, I had teaching experience. I had been a TA. So um, I emailed like four outfitters. And I like at this point didn't even know how to set up a tent. Like I didn't grow up camping or canoeing or anything. I'd been in a canoe and I'd seen a tent set up by someone else, but I fully did not understand like any of that. So I emailed a bunch of outfitters and only one of them got back to me. And um, it was Living Adventure run by Gail Green. She's a like world-renowned sea kayaker I now know. And she was like, yeah, you know what? Like I would love to take you on. We'll, we'll train you in, like, no big deal. Like, when can you be here? And I was like, June. And so I went and it was definitely a challenging first summer. I didn't, like, I wasn't very good at it to start with because I didn't have any water experience, but I, like, really loved it by the end. And I stuck around longer than most of the guides. Everybody kind of left in August and I stuck through the rest of the season. So a lot of the older guides there were able to work with me one-on-one. And by the end of that season, I'd bought my own boat and, um, that kind of came back a couple years after that to start again. And that was now like seven, oh God, seven years ago. That's so long. Um, 
And yeah, that's kind of how I got into it to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. How did you start sharing what you do now on social media? Because if people don't know that listening, that is listening, uh, Maddie has like 40K followers on Instagram. Um, I don't know how much you have on TikTok, but um, you are just so good at sharing all of the adventures that you go on and all that stuff. And obviously you do the guides as well for like where to go and the uh, – sorry, I'm like losing my train of thought. <laughs> um, in the north, whatever, you know, what yeah. I mean? like yeah, hiking totally. and stuff. Um, how did you get into that? Like, was it just a genuine love and wanting to share it or? Yeah. I mean, I always like growing up, I wanted to be a travel writer and I kind of started enjoy. I used to not share on social media. Like if you look back, you can scroll all the way back to my high school days and see like some of the crappiest iPhone pictures ever, like taken months apart. Um, but I was really not into social media um until after so I, I did one year in the Peace Corps and I started blogging while I was there and I, I kind of had the experience of I really love writing I always wanted to be a travel writer and um with being like a Peace Corps volunteer living abroad you have a really like large but niche community of people who are in the exact same position as you where you're like learning a language and culture on the fly and so I had like a decent readership of other volunteers and we all got evacuated in 2020 when COVID happened so we basically like lost our the place that we were living and our jobs and sent back to America with like no infrastructure overnight, like 24 hours to pack up and leave. So I wrote about that and I connected with a lot of other volunteers who like read what I had to say about it. And were like, wow, yeah, that did suck. Like and had the experience of like, wow, I'm feeling so crappy. And then other people be like, thank you for writing and sharing about that because it makes me feel a little bit less alone. And that's kind of where I started being like, oh, I actually really like sharing online like content and just connecting with people that way who I wouldn't have met otherwise who are in the same spot as me. And then um, more of the like technical outdoor stuff kind of came very directly from guiding because the second year that I came back, I really noticed that there's just not a whole lot of infrastructure in the outdoors for people who have not been like expressly granted access to the outdoors. So even for like definitely for BIPOC people, there's just like not a whole t lot of people reaching out and helping them get into it, both online and in person. But even for women, like I, I like to joke that you like your dad or your boyfriend either invited you into the outdoors if you're in the outdoors. Like for a lot of people, it's true that like your first boundary waters trip, either your dad took you because he was into it or your boyfriend took you and now you're involved. And like that is not the way that it should be. And I think a lot of people develop kind of an unhealthy relationship to risk and safety because a spouse took them into the outdoors or a partner took them. And it's just like kind of this environment where your their level of risk is not the same as yours, especially if it's like a young dude in his twenties. Like, no offense, dude, actually, this all is offense. hitting too hard. That is <laughs> that is hitting too close to home right now, man. Yeah, I but I mean, never I mean, heard someone vocalize that. Yeah, and it, it's like this is just every single woman who I've talked to, all of the guides who I've worked with who are women who have gotten into it. Every single one is either like super lucky and has the experience of like my dad took me out and that's how I got into it and they have a really healthy healthy relationship or a boyfriend introduced them and they went whitewater rafting for the first time with her boyfriend with no experience who said just send it it will be fine and it was not fine and like that is the experience those are like the two options and that's how women get into the outdoors and I think that's crappy I have so many horror stories of like not or like my gut saying no don't do that thing but then being prompted by a 
boy in his early 20s who's like, no, 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 it's fine. We should do it. We should do it. And then it ending horribly wrong. I fell into the Tedaguch River that way. So the temperance, <laughs> not temperance. Oh, my God. I'm blanking on all the baptism. Gonna, baptism River and lost my phone that way because I was told that it'd be safe to walk out on the ice. It was not safe to walk out on the ice. I want to make that clear. And we fell in. The end. Good times. Oh my gosh. Good times. That's crazy. No, that is so true though. I, to be honest, my boyfriend is very into the outdoors and loves being outdoors. So I'm always the one that's kind of being dragged out with him. But I don't know. I guess, honestly, when I visit you, Reese, like we always go out side yeah. so i, I definitely say, have friends that are girls that like to be outside but it's hard for me personally to like get myself to get outside unless i have someone getting me you know what i mean yeah that is totally fair i feel like so i want to clarify it was not a boyfriend that originally got me outdoors i started going up north a lot when i was a kid with my parents and then i started going out a lot when I stopped skiing like competitively and I was sad. So I was like, I'm going to go outside. And then I met a boyfriend that way and did the dumb stuff. But I will say for me, it's so much easier now to like want to go camping or hiking or whatever with a group of girls. So it's safe, well-planned. <laughs> There's a lot of food and clothing and it's fun. Yeah. And like, I want to clarify too, like, my partner and I, my partner is male. We get along together a lot. And most of the dumb, <laughs> irresponsible shit that we've done has, like, been my idea. Like, it, it's, that's on me. There are there are a couple of incidents that are, like, that. that's fully on me. Um, but in the past, there have been other dudes. Um, I am, like, now the irresponsible male friend. So <laughs> here, here to fill that void. Um, uh. Yeah, but that's kind of how I got his started with sharing is just kind of noticing that like unless somebody in person opens the door for you and tells you about like something as simple as knowing that in the boundary waters if you want to hike the border route trail the only maps that are really accurate are the Mackenzie maps all of the other ones don't have the campsites marked correctly like no one shares that information online because no one wants you to hike the border route trail and find the campsite and like that is like it's a permitted hike you can't just show up but stuff like that happens all across the board. And there's just like people who are intentionally keep not even like trail information, but like safety information. People are gatekeeping because they like want to be the ones that control it. Um, even I in like the outfitters I was working at, they were like, don't tell people that this is the only like accurate map. And I'm like, it's your job to provide information. No. And I feel like I get the most hate when I'm like sharing something either like border route related Gray area, northern Minnesota related, where it's like, it's going to take a lot of effort for someone to do this thing. And there's not a lot of information on it. So like, we want them to do it safely, because it is a little more high risk. Mm -hmm, totally. And, and people don't know what they don't know going into some of this stuff. But it's always that's where I get the most like, don't share this you like, I don't know. Okay, have you noticed that, that you get the most hate around, like, border rowdy things, Grandma um, Ray, Frozen River hikes, that, um, I don't know. Like, to be perfectly candid, not since I blocked a certain group of people. I don't get hate about that <laughs> anymore. Um, but, 
um I would say like in general, the like anytime one thing that I do post sometimes is like accessible hikes, ones that are like less than a mile, portions are paved. Um, mm-hmm. People will hate on those and they're like, well, you're ruining this area. And it's like, this is a paved hike for like people who can't <laughs> like who are facing mobility challenges. I feel like I get a lot yeah. of hate around that. I definitely used to get from people in the area already in the outdoor community. It was like very much like, don't share the border route trail. And it's like the border route trail needs more foot traffic because the trail like is, it needs to be walked on in order to be maintainable in order for it to be possible to walk it in the future. There needs to be foot traffic because there's not enough, like it's overgrown. You can't, you can't hike it unless it's hiked. Um, So like that's, that's such a funny one for people to really nitpick on Um, that. And then like some of the overlooks in the superior hiking trail, again, like up near Grand Marais is one that bothers people. People, people have mixed feelings. I share, I mean, I got my start in the Apostle Islands. So I share a lot of like Apostle Islands guides and content. And, um, I, mm-hmm. I never share like specific, I think, I mean, most people don't know that there are caves on every single Island. Like all of the, all 21 islands have like beautiful sea caves on them. Um, yeah. and I don't like go through and pick out like this sea cave you can find here just because they're really hard to like, it's a three day trip to get to any of them. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do get people who, when I share the Apostle Islands, like it's a full national park, like as a whole, they're like, that's geotagging and you're ruining this place. And I'm like, this is like saying Yellowstone National Park, like just because you haven't heard of it before, it's like the same scale. Um, so yeah, that kind of, that train of thought totally derailed. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's okay. Okay. I want to look back to, so COVID, you got evacuated, came back to the U.S. What did you do then? Where did you go? What was COVID time like for you? Oh, so bad. Um, yeah, so I I loved my job in Armenia. I worked in a school. I was an English teacher, and I, I wasn't the sole English teacher. I'd worked with other teachers who weren't fluent in English on, like, improving their English fluency. And then I ran, like, after-school soccer programs loved my job. It was so much fun. And I got, and I loved my host family. I lived with a family and my 16 year old host sister and I like still Skype pretty often. My, she reminds me that my Armenian sucks, which is really kind of her. Um, (laughs) But I got evacuated with like, I think it was less than 24 hours notice. We officially were told like, you need to be on a plane out of here. Um, And so I came back and I went to my parents' house and I was really lucky. A lot of people did not have a place to go back to and had to like book a hotel for days until they figured something out because we'd lost our jobs and like Mm -hmm. the place we were living. After that, I went to, I stayed home with my family for about a month and then went up to help my grandparents who were afraid to get the prescriptions. And I was like, I literally, I did not know what I was going to do at all. I was like, okay, well, should I go to grad school? Should I apply to teach abroad again? And then, um... Gail Green, the same woman who'd hired me before, reached out and said that one of her old employees was starting a new outfitter up in Bayfield. And did I want to go work? And I was like, yeah, I would go guide again. And so I did. And that was my second year guiding. Um, so I did like, what would it be? 2021, summer 20, ah, summer 2020, and then summer 2018 were my first two years. That's where I met my partner, Andy. And um, kind of that's where I got like the start in expedition paddling. Andy and I were at like a roughly equal skill level. And so we were really able to like take on some bigger trips together and bring some of our friends out. And um, it was kind of cool in that we were both able to learn from each other. Um, And that, yeah, I I 
guided that summer. The following summer, I did a trip with National Geographic and the Apostles, which was really cool. Um, and then it was the summer after that that we went and did the, our 70-day British Columbia paddle. And then last summer, I was guiding again in the San Juans. And then this summer, I'll be back in the Apostles. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. That you, like, all of it is cool, but also, like, I didn't even know that you did that with National Geographic. That's so cool. (laughs) That's because I signed an NDA. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so you're allowed to mention that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The term for it has, like, expired. And I think I could have talked about it before. I just, like... I have like a lot of anxiety about legal things and that kind of thing. I'm like, I'm just not going to share anything from that trip. Um, yeah, yeah, no, but I that's did totally fair. <laughs> yeah. I did um, a three week trip as the photo assistant for David Gutenfelder when he did uh, like a feature piece on the Apostle Islands, and we were out kayaking for three weeks. And I made it to every island except North and South Twin, um, and it was a long time to camp for work and like hold lights and sea caves, but it was super fun. And um, I would do it again for sure. That is so cool. Okay. So trying to remember, cause I've known you for a while now, um, mm-hmm. but trying to remember timelines Were you, when you did the national geographic trip, had you been living in Grand Marais at that point or no? Yeah. Yeah. So I was almost, almost a year in Grand Marais. And then that would have been, Oh my God, I'm bad with dates. Summer 20, Summer 2021, I think. Okay. And then we met winter, like the winter before that. So you wrote, oh, I feel like there's so much to talk about. Um, you wrote a book also during all this. <laughs> yeah. Do I talk about that? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, that was my COVID project because, again, I didn't have a job for a while. Um, and kind of after like my breakup in college the one with the you know the college boyfriend everyone hates um Mm -hmm. my friend Rachel and I spent a lot of time just like exploring Michigan every single weekend I'm like super lucky in that my grandparents lived up in like the Traverse City area so we would go and stay at my grandparents and go to like Sleeping Bear Dunes every single weekend to like avoid running into people at the bars at Michigan State and um when I came back in 2020, 2020, after I was evacuated from Armenia, she came up again to meet me at my grandparents' house. And I was like rattling off like a list of hiking trails that we could hike. And she's like, why don't you write a book? And I think it was her way of being like, okay, like just stop talking. But I was like, oh, maybe I should do that. <laughs> and then I did. Um, it's just basically like the the physical, I have a couple of eBooks that cover like the Northern Grand Lakes area and some of the trails in the Midwest, focusing in on like places like Isle Royal the North Shore, the Apostles, um, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. But this first one was just kind of like the big hits along the lake if you were to drive from Traverse City through the UP up all the way to Grand Portage, um, just because that's the drive I did all the time to get back home mm-hmm. and often stopped along the way. What is the book called again? Um, Hidden Gems of the Northern Great Lakes is the book, and it's self-published. It's like not a real book. I mean, it's a real book, but like um, – yeah, so Hidden Gems of the Northern Great Lakes. And you can either find it like on my website as an ebook or through Amazon in print. That's so cool. Okay, well, we'll, we'll have that. to link it, yeah, in the show notes. Okay. I'm sure people will be 
interested. I'm serious. <laughs> I know you're like, eh, it's not that cool. Yeah, like whatever. <laughs> it is cool. <laughs> it's so cool. It was you're so like long ago that I did it that I kind of forget that it's real. I'm like, oh, wow, I, I did that. It was like hard. I did it all in InDesign. I don't, I'm sure you guys are familiar with InDesign. I hate InDesign. Um, and I would never <laughs> do it again in InDesign. <laughs> yeah, InDesign is really hard to figure out if you haven't been taught how to use it even I like I literally studied it and still get so confused with it I rarely use it now with my day-to-day job but yeah props to you for doing it through that (laughs) yeah never again okay so you posted something a couple days ago that I kind of want to talk about about um going like how someone said when you were taking pictures on a hike or something like, oh, she only did the hike because like she wanted a cool picture or whatever. First off, I want to know, did I say that? Because I no, you didn't. I'm like, wait, <laughs> was that me? Oh my I God, no, that was not you. Just say out no. of pocket shit. <laughs> No, 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 no. That was definitely not you. That was somebody who was not on Instagram and I talked to her about it before I posted it. I always like, if I'm going to write about someone, I talk to them about it first. Um, No, that was one of my friends who I used to guide with. And um, we've been a little bit mean girls in the past. And I was just thinking about that. Um, uh, It's one of the girls who I used to guide with in the apostles. And we were kind of talking about like, wow, it's just like, it's so hard to find people who want to be like hardcore outdoorsy with us. Like we were really hyping ourselves up. And we were being kind of obnoxious, to be honest. And we were talking about this other group of girls who we do not know in person, who they post on social media. And we were like, oh, like, I was like, you know, you can meet people through social media. Because I've met a lot of people through social media who I've become, like, quite good friends with. And she was like, yeah, but they only hike for the photo. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're totally right. And I didn't even, like, think about it until later. Like, I was just like, yep, that's probably true. As as I'm, like, videotaping all over the place as if I'm not also. I don't know why I think I'm like, yeah. So I got home and I was just kind of thinking about that. And I was like, huh, like people have said that to me in the past. And it's kind of hurt. And I've been like, wow, I I don't only hike for the photo. I mean, sometimes I totally do. Sometimes I really do. But (laughs) (laughs) and like, I think that's fine. If you do hike for the photo, like sometimes you need the extra motivation to get outside and getting outside is so, so good for you that like if you're hiking for the photo, more power to you. But like, I still think it's a mean thing to say because when people are saying, oh, she only hikes for the photo, what you're saying is like, I think this person is so shallow that they are not appreciating nature in the same way that I am. And even for us to say that, like as a joke to these people who we do not know who cannot hear us, like looking back, I'm like, wow, I, I mean, I think... As somebody who wants a more inclusive outdoor space, I need to start with my own community, which is like other women in the outdoors. And if I'm somebody who's at like a higher level in the outdoors talking about other women this way, even like in the comfort of another experienced guide, like we're not creating an inclusive environment for new people. Um, And like we should probably we should probably change that. And that's something I've been working on a lot is being less of a mean girl. (laughs) <laughs> which sounds so obnoxious. I'm really not. I'm really not mean, I swear. But like everybody, I think, says these things about other people without thinking about the impact. Like I know I somebody posted on Instagram a like how to winter camp video the other day where they didn't have the rain fly on their tent. And like, yeah, Reese, you're laughing because that's a little ridiculous. Like yeah. and I my first like inclination was to like be like, hey, uh, 
this isn't super helpful because you can't winter camp without your rain fly on. Like you're going to freeze to death. Um, how silly. And then I was like, I'm sure she knows that and just made a like error in the video. Like she does not need to hear my, my voice on it. But I think like a lot of times we jump to these conclusions about other people and we like want to make fun of other people a little bit. Um, and I think it's actually the same mindset that like the guys have when they're like, don't share that trail name. Don't tell other people the map that you can use. Like not even don't share the trail name. Don't tell people about the existence of this type of map. I think it's like kind of the same attitude when I'm with my friend being like, well, she only hikes for the photo. And um, I don't know. I just think that it's worth like unpacking our own language as people in the outdoors and like working intern. If I want other people to change and be more inclusive, I like also have to do that. Yeah. And it's just like, like you said, if they only went on the hike for the photo, at least they're going outside and enjoying the hike. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes I really just do want to go on a hike and yeah, I'm going to take a cute picture of it when mm-hmm. I'm done. <laughs> also, taking a photo is like the least impactful thing you can do. Some, if people only go camping for the campfire, that is like more of an impact than taking a photo, you know? Like it's it's such a, I think it's a very like gendered th- thing to nitpick about the outdoors is to like go after people who are like, women who create content are violating leave no trace for creating content without like any further examination of like why we're mostly like well she shouldn't have made that real you know in the same way link and i think that's the same vein as oh she only goes outside for the photo um i'm kind of like losing my train of thought but maybe you kind of get where i'm going with it (laughs) no I, i get what you're saying yeah it goes along with the gatekeeping type of mindset that everyone has that's like stop sharing where to hike like stop like people are just gonna go hike for the picture like they don't even care and it's like I'm sure there are people out there that do that but uh what I love about what you share on your Instagram is like how to do it in a safe way and I don't know I just I just appreciate that well thank you yeah, I, I think that, like, definitely there are harmful ways to post, like, an Instagram reel. Um, not really in this region, um, but, like, in an area like Sedona, where it's actually overpopulated with tourists and there's actually, like, archaeological sites that people are damaging. I can see how people would be less inclined to, like, want to see people posting videos about trails and sharing trail names, especially if they're, like, unofficial trails. But up here, the Border Route Trail, the Sapir Hiking Trail, are official maintained trails with, like, managing bodies that get funding. Um, And it's just completely different. Um, And I I do think it's really important to also share stuff, like, information, like, when the Sapir Hiking Trail closes. Like, if it's muddy, you're not supposed to hike there, stuff like that. Um, Something I was going to say to, like, loop back to the... Um, the mean girls thing I feel like sometimes or at least like with how I grew up in sports and then working in the outdoor industry and then for the longest time being within the group that I was in like always being the only girl around for like photos or hikes or whatever I feel like you start to get this mentality like ingrained in you from such a young age of you need to be one of the boys or like better than the boys. And it's like, you can only be the only girl or like you have to be the best girl or like how, I don't know if I'm saying exactly what I want to say, but there's such this like competitiveness and almost 
maybe like judginess or like almost like you start to get ingrained in you that you're better than these other girls because like you just have to be yeah and no it's not like the right mentality I feel like at least I like I want to get more people outside and like enjoying it because it's had such great effects on me mentally and like life enjoyment wise but I still feel like a lot I have to like catch myself and be like oh I'm not actually being inclusive oh I'm not actually empowering other women or people to get outdoors like I think I've made growth and then it's like oh no Maybe I haven't quite as much. And I feel like there's just so much unlearning with it because you, it's been so ingrained in you. Not, I don't yeah. know. I, I'm like kind of losing my train of thought, but. No, no, but I totally get what you're saying. There, I feel like there's, I mean, there, I'm, I, there is this scarcity mindset among women in the outdoors that because there have always been so few people at the top who like are women, there must be mm-hmm. limited space up there. And so once you get to the, as you're trying to become um, like more competent in the outdoors, you're building your skill set. You kind of get to a point where you're like, I don't want there to be other girls up here. I know how to work with these guys. I know how to work this space. Like I, I did it. I deserve this spot. Why should I share it? And I think that mm-hmm. oh, who was I talking? I was talking to somebody else, another skier about this. Oh, it was Ketzel Levin. She works for the. Um, she's a meteorologist in Duluth, but she used to. I used to kayak with her. And she was saying kind of this, I hope she's okay with me saying this. Sorry, Ketzel. But she was saying kind of the same thing about like needing to unlearn the idea that it doesn't have to be competitive outside with other women, especially if you show up and there's two girls in an event, it doesn't matter who comes in first and second. Like, What matters just, is you're yeah. there and now getting more women there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But. It's just, it's such an interesting dynamic. I used to call it like the tough girl con- complex. Cause there's been so many times when I've been like out sea kayaking in big conditions and like sea kayak surfing. And I am the only girl there. And I'm like, I have to be like as good as the best of the guys. Like I can't like they're they're Like I can't be the worst one out here. I, it can't mm-hmm. be. And I've like gotten into serious, like I was hypothermic on Isle Royale cause I couldn't be like, I can't do this crossing. I'm too cold. Like, mm-hmm. The, the guys are fine, so I have to be fine. Otherwise, I'm that girl. Um, yeah. And I think that really, like, makes women more unsafe and, like, is just something that I don't even, like, know how to work on that with younger guides. That, But that's something I would really like to impart as I'm, like, training people in this year. <laughs> that it's, it's okay to suck sometimes. I have sucked and probably will again. I would agree. Yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to talk about yeah, that a little um, bit. Yeah. No, I think you nailed it, though. Um, I was just going to... Like kind of switch gears. You do a lot of like knitting and and stuff that I love. And I don't know. Have you always knit mittens and hats and scarves and stuff? I saw that you you posted something on your story the other day of like a sweater that you knit. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Thank you. Um, I guess kind of, yes. I started knitting when I was like 12 because my grandma taught me and I knit my whole cross country team little ear warmers for running in the cold. Um, and some of them still have it, <laughs> which I'm like, throw that away. That's really old. Nasty. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've always kind of been into it. And then more recently, I'm like pretty fast and I don't like to be on my phone while I'm watching TV, but I love to watch TV. So I've, I knit instead and um, I like crank out more sweaters a winter now than I know what to do with. So I sell a few every year. 
Oh, that's so cool. Where do you sell it on? It's like it's on the same website that I sell like my ebooks oh, and okay. I have like photo presets. It's just like looped in there for people who are interested. They're like they're pretty expensive just because they take like hundreds of hours. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but, I um, get that. My boyfriend yeah. makes like curated stuff. Too, yeah, yeah, so, totally. Yeah, I totally understand that. It takes a long time so that you have to you have to price it up there because otherwise you're just kind of like losing money from it. Yeah, totally. But that's really cool. What are your favorite um, like hikes or kayaking routes or just what are your – if you had to recommend anything for people? Um, I mean for kayaking, like the Apostle Islands are in my opinion like one of the best places on earth. And I've I've, like kayaked a good section of the British Columbia coast – but the Apostle Islands, like the sea caves out there are so beautiful. The water clarity, if you're on the right day, is like 30 feet down. And like you can paddle over shipwrecks and see them. And like if you can get out to Devil's, I mean, don't try and get out to Devil's Island. Like I spent two years trying to get, like, please do not try and get out to Devil's Island. Um, but if you like book a five-day kayaking tour at the end of July or the beginning of August, you have a chance of getting out to Devil's Island. And um, it is like a literal cathedral. It is like kayaking through a cathedral of like these huge intricate sea caves and it's like red and blue inside of them they're so cool um and like if you like the mainland sea caves are too cool too if you like book like a day trip through them but like the devil's island sea caves are like otherworldly it's like it's like alice in wonderland out there it's so cool um that's like if you if you like kayaking i would go there the other place that you can kayak that many people don't know about is up in the keweenaw peninsula there is a trip that launches through Keweenaw Adventure Company, and you can go and paddle a bunch of sea stacks up to Montreal Falls. And it's like one of the only places where you can, like on a guided trip on Lake Superior, paddle right up to a waterfall. And I think that is so cool. I love paddling the waterfalls. Um, So those would be my two kayaking ones. And then literally anywhere on the Superior Hiking Trail is incredible. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I would agree. Anything on the Superior Hiking Trail is amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I've... I'm nervous about kayaking, especially like on Lake Superior. I have so many, like obviously you guys kayak. I have a lot of other friends that have. I'm like so scared of it. So what would be like your biggest tips of like trying it out when you're like kind of scared of it? (laughs) I mean, I think the there's like this culture of fear around Lake Superior that there doesn't really need to be. Like I think healthy respect is probably more where people can trend. Like, I do think it's important to really understand that that is a lake that produces 30 foot waves. And many, many people will launch in a protected bay where it appears calm round the corner where they're out of the lee of land, which is like lee is just a word for wind shadow and then find themselves in four foot waves. And then that's a, that's a big deal. Um, If you are looking to get into it and you're like wondering where to start, a lot of the outfitters in Bayfield will offer like safety courses as well as guided trips. And you can go and take a trip and learn just like, here's what you would do if your kayak capsized. Here's how to get back into it. Here's how to pump the water out. Here's how you would call the Coast Guard if you needed it. And then like basic things, just knowing like you can pull up the marine forecast on your phone and look at what the wave height is going to be for that day. Or if you want to paddle the sea caves, they actually have a camera where you can look up a live feed of the camera and look at what the waves look like. It's from above, so it's I'm not sure if it's actually helpful or if it's doing more harm than good because waves from above appear a lot smaller than they actually do when you're like sitting in a kayak and they're at eye level, obviously. Um, 
but just kind of looking into like I, I guess if I, I would say so much of sea kayaking is nautical and if you're interested in like getting into that and feeling more safe on the water looking into the weather patterns on Lake Superior and understanding like here's when a storm might hit here's how like the storms on Superior kind of like cook over northern Minnesota over the plains hit Lake Superior and the air is so cold that it provides a lot of energy for those storms and they'll hit the lake and oftentimes like accelerate across the lake right at the Apostle Islands to hit me with lightning um, <laughs> many, many times. But just understanding stuff like that, the wind patterns on the lake, like if there's a northeast wind, it's it's blowing across 300 miles of open water. So you're going to have bigger waves than if you have a south wind, um, again, depending on where you're paddling, of course. But just kind of looking into some of that kind of stuff, I think can ease a lot of anxieties. And then like, I'm, I'm actually like a very anxious paddler, even though I guide, like ask my partner, Andy, he thinks it's ridiculous. Um, but like, I am always checking the weather and updating the weather and keeping an eye on everything that could go wrong. And I think for people who are fearful, shifting it to like, I respect the lake and I understand the risks and then building confidence in your own skills and building that knowledge base can really like dispel a lot of fear. Yeah. If that- Totally. No. Yeah. You answered my question very well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I was going to change the subject again. Um, I want to know more about, so you grew a following and then it like really kind of like, at least from watching, I feel like you went from like 15K to like 40 fairly yeah. quick-ish. I mean, yeah, like, I think I guess quick in my mind, but it was what probably over like a span of a year. Um, I think it was like, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it was like 15K at the beginning of this past summer. And I actually Mm -hmm. only hit 40K like a few days ago. Um, but it's been super consistent in the past month. And I think that's because I've like actually gone full-time freelancing and have like the time and energy to put into, um, really focusing on making sure that my, like, I hate the word content, but like all of my content is like telling a story. And if it is not telling a story, then I just don't post it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that like that has really just made a huge difference in my engagement levels, like trying to think about how a viewer actually interacts with posts and think about things like what story is this telling and then like have an end goal for that story. Like this is what I want the impression I want people to leave with or this is the action I want people to take. Um, But definitely that I didn't post super consistently over the summer because I was guiding a lot and I just kind of posted cobbled together stuff whenever I got the chance from guiding. And um, I didn't see, I mean, I, I saw like growth medium-ish over the summer. And then, yeah, a lot, actually just like even in the past two months, I think it was like um, like significant growth compared to that. So the, the biggest thing that I changed is like telling a story though. Yeah. So what is that like all of a sudden that like, you know, 40,000 people are tuning into your life? What is that like? What are the dynamics like? Do you get recognized? I know you wrote an article once about like the parasocial relationships within like social media because that one resonated a lot. Um, but I'm just like so curious. I'm like, what is that like? Is it uncomfy when you get recognized? Do you feel safe? Do you get a lot of hate? Do you get a lot of positivity? I don't know. Just all of your get- thoughts and feelings. Yeah. I get like, I have a 75% female following. Um, so I get oh, a lot of positivity. Um, not that like it would be worse otherwise, but it would. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely do get like negativity and hate. Um, 
usually it's like on viral posts and I really I've tried um to like separate my identity from my social media like my social media is a business it is not me so when people are Mm -hmm. criticizing my social media when you're criticizing an influencer you're not criticizing a person you're criticizing content and it's made it a lot easier to like when someone say this says like this girl's dumb and ugly be like okay well they think this that I posted and like that's okay people like anytime you're putting anything out there if you're putting out good stuff people are gonna have stuff to say about it and like sometimes it's worth considering and like I think I've like I've really tried I'm not like always good sometimes I leave petty comments as a reply you just have to um but I really try and like look at the comment I'm getting and be like is this something like that is stupid and I don't need to reply to or is this something that is like a criticism that is valid and worth considering and that I should sit on and think about and write a reply or um, the other one is, is this something that I can make more content out of? Like whether or not it's stupid, like so, like that's that's also helpful because sometimes people leave comments where I'm like, ooh, I can write a little blog post about this and people will love it. Whether or not I give a crap what this person actually thinks, this is useful mm-hmm. to me. So those are kind of the types of comments that I get. And um, yeah, sometimes I really cannot hold back and reply to the comment. And then the, oh, the recognizing thing. That happened a lot when I lived in Grand Marais and I don't live there anymore. And I like shared that I lived in Grand Marais. It was definitely, mm-hmm. and I, I think it was worse than too because I had less followers. I had like about 10K, less than 10K, I think when some of this stuff happened. But I had like guys, always, always, always guys reach out and be like, I'm going to be up there. And I know that you like to hike here. So I'm going to hang out on this trail and wait for you, see you there. And I'm like, well, I will definitely not be there then. Um, like that's really weird. So that happened. Yeah. That happened like a few times, um, with people who I just don't think that guys realize no matter how much you think we have in common, I do not want to be your friend. If you're going to reach out to me like that, that's weird. Actually, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be your friend if you're a guy. Um, but <laughs> that's not again that's not true <laughs> i have most I of my know. friends are actually guys <laughs> like literally literally all of my friends are guys not all of them but like so many of them are guys and they're all delightful i have like so many positive men in my life it's just i experienced so many negative men online that i'm kind of like wow so it's really the wilderness out there huh <laughs> um, well i feel like 80 percent of the DMs I've received from guys in relation to going hiking together or take photos together, it is not out of the thought process of, oh, she's a good photographer and I could like learn something from her or like I genuinely want to get to know this person as a friend or a mentor. It's always a, this is a date. I want this to be a date. And it's like, no, no. Especially even I was like publicly sharing that I had a boyfriend and I was like, what, what is this? I don't, no, I, I don't know. That's my like thought. Guys, guys do not care. I think it's like a parasociality thing where people and like women do this too, but I like very often actually meet up with women online. Um, but like, I think, I think people get a, the idea of you in their head and like you share so little that people fill in the blanks. Um, Mm -hmm. about what they want you to be as a person and then like whether or not you've posted that you have a boyfriend or a partner they're like well maybe it's not that serious and I'm gonna shoot my shot and um don't realize that that's creepy yeah creep well and like um another thing I would always get like the like part of their like DMing hitting on especially when I was single was like 
they genuinely thought that like we would become this like adventure Instagram couple. And I was like, that is like what you're going into this with, with this DM. Like you are just automatically assuming that A, I'd date you. B, that I'd want to do an outdoor adventure Instagram moment with you. See, like that feels like you're clout chasing right there. I get, I don't have that many followers, but like you are like, none of this is out of good intention, even if you think it is. And it was just like, I don't know. I got, I got a lot of ick in my DMs. I'm sure there's definitely people where you can just kind of sniff it out right away. So it's like, this isn't even worth my time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as as a rule, I just don't meet up with guys from Instagram ever. I don't like actually that's that is very much not true. Um sometimes <laughs> I'm like, wow, I'm like full of shit. Um that's not true. Um every now and then there are like sea kayakers who I know through Instagram and mutually follow and we very much have like the exact same specialized skill set and that person is like, Hey, do you and your partner want to come paddle with me and my friends and we can like exchange information and skills, which is totally different than do you want to come show me around the North Shore trails and I'll take pictures of you <laughs> on my like flip phone. <laughs> yes, exactly that. Those are two different things. And I feel like I was getting the latter. Later, yeah, the, I don't, honestly, one. I don't really get that anymore. Um, and I, I think it's because I'm like more upfront about being an outdoor guide. I don't get as many men messaging me trying to educate me as I used to mm. um, like ra- rarely ever now. And I don't know if that's just cause I've really changed my comment control. So it's impossible to message me things that I don't want to hear. Yeah. Or if it's because I'm like more upfront that I actually like have several years of experience in the outdoors and people are like, nah, not worth it. So on that note, do you block a lot of comments? And um, like, is that a sh- strategy to keep the vibes positive? Yeah, so I have like a list of words. Like if you go, if you go into your settings and it's under privacy, you can like restrict certain words. So like people cannot conf- people who do not follow me cannot use the word influencer on my page because I just don't care to hear okay. that all influencers are bad. Like I don't really like identify with that word. If people want to put it on me, that's yeah. their business, but I don't need to hear it. Um, mm-hmm. You can't comment that. You can't comment trust fund. Um, you can't comment DM. <laughs> Um, you can't comment daddy. <laughs> um, they're like a list of, you can go in and like just prevent people who don't follow you from commenting and saying these words. And that's made a huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I obviously still see like people are really creative with their insults. Um, so I obviously still see a lot of them sometimes. Um, yeah. I saw one. This is totally random. I saw mm-hmm. a TikTok or something today. Uh, I don't even remember what it was about. But the comments were, like, sending hate from Toronto, sending hate from Florida. I was like, what the heck? That's so weird. (laughs) Everyone's just getting so – I know. I was like, everyone's just copying each other now just, like, with hate comments. This is stupid. I I do feel like a lot of, like, things that used to be, like, stemming from an actual critique are now, like – literally just co- people copying something else they read on the internet like a lot of the people who like on Reese like on one of your videos are like 
um, actually, we should gatekeep the North Shore. Like, they they heard that somewhere else and they have, like, never interrogated what mm-hmm. that actually means. Like, it's just kind of, it's coming from, like, a 14-year-old who got an iPhone yesterday. Like, it's not that deep. I know. Yeah, that's, and, like, some of the comments I get that, like, give, with, like, the gatekeeping stuff, it just gives me the giggles. Because, like, one, genuinely, the locations I was sharing, Google would have brought you those same exact like answers i just had photos of it being pretty to show you that way you could visualize it but it was like it was probably uh, the one that i think i got a lot of negativity around was um what was it uh northern lights and i shared a couple spots and people got so in a tizzy about the locations i shared and since sharing this one location that apparently i blew up um (laughs) I have gone back there four more times for the Northern Lights and still been the only one there on a Friday night, (laughs) on a Saturday night, midweek even, like across the board, midweek, weekends, still the only person there. So it's like I – Was it like Split Rock Lighthouse? Like, No, I shared Sugarloaf Cove. Yeah, you have Um, to pay to park there. (laughs) And – like it's not busy it's never busy every time i've ever been there daytime nighttime northern lights sunrise sunset always been the only person there like that's so funny i'm not blowing this up my question is how many people do these people especially in an like again i get it in an area like sedona or yosemite like out west where like Mm -hmm. the, the trails are busy busy but up here in northern do people realize how little tourism we actually get here in the grand scheme of things and like even if your post gets like 10 let's say you get 10,000 likes and 400 saves of those 400 people who saved it how many are gonna actually go to the trail and how many are actually gonna be there at the same time and how many like and okay so even let's say you've increased foot traffic to an area and it's an area like Sugarloaf Cove or Tedagooch State Park that has a managing body mm-hmm. that maintains the trail the result of increased foot traffic is not actually damage to the ecosystem it's that they need to repair the trail it's that they need to put in a boardwalk mm-hmm. it's not like the the ecosystem will recover from foot traffic within a few years if left alone the actual impact of that is that the park changes not the ecosystem and like yes park changing changes yeah. the ecosystem but like People are concerned about their experience there, not the actual environment. And mm-hmm. just be a little more honest about that, I think. Or even I've, I've gotten, I guess I got backlash on um, a ski hill that I shared. And it's like, I, about blowing it up and then it's going to become too popular, blah, blah, blah. How dare I post this on social media? It's like, I'm sorry, that ski hill, Mount Bohemia, does the absolute most trying to get themselves out there. And... One, it will never get too popular because they have a limited time you can buy their season pass and it's fairly gate, like it is very locked in. There's control over that. Um, There's minimal lodging up there. So even like, even if a thousand people want to go or I don't actually know how many people go ski there, but whatever, let's say 10,000 people want to go ski up there. There's not a lot of lodging in the Kiwina that like, it's not going to get overcrowded. There's control there. Is controlled by how many people they let in. It's just like insane. And it is not an overpopular ski hill. I would it's say an advi- like it's advanced tired. only. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, me sharing it on Instagram with the like 
notes that it is an advanced ski hill and it's in the Kiwi not like hard to get to hard place to ski there's not gonna be a lot of people coming there and also a sport that's not super inclusive because it takes a lot of money to do it it's not gonna blow up it's gonna get also they're having like a record there. low year right now like it's a record and low they want tourism people they really want people. I Like, I was just this past week in the Kiwana doing a project with their tourism board. And they're like, when can you come back? We're like, it's been kind of a crappy winter. Like, all it, there was an article, too, about the North Shore. Like, we're down 40% up here. Like, it's, it's actually they a good time. People. Yeah. I mean, the Holiday Gas Station told me the other day. They're like, yeah, tourism has been down and we've had to cut hours at the gas station. Like, this is actually, like... I don't think people realize how in these small rural tourism towns, like there is actually a positive impact of tourism a lot of the time. Like granted, 4th of July weekend, everyone who's working in tourism is hates it. Totally. I've been there. I get mm-hmm. it. But like I, this winter, people are having their hours cut and there just aren't that many jobs up here and rent is really expensive. So so yes, we would like some winter tourism, you know? And, and that's, that's where I get so frustrated when people like start send in things it's like they want tourism they want the money this is how they live we got rid of a lot of mining up here which was the main source of income originally and we switched over to tourism we are a tourism-based economy in order to survive we need tourists Mm -hmm. so how do we get those in the world of social media and marketing you share places you share things to do you share ways to still have fun when permanent shoulder season of a winter like that is what you have to do. Or I, I'm really fired up about this. Sorry. No, yeah, but but you're com- you're completely correct. And I think actually up on the North Shore, at least a lot of people who have been like a little more curmudgeon-y about it in the past really see it this winter when their favorite restaurant they can't go to because they had to cut hours. Even like the people who work remote and are like, this is my paradise. No one else is allowed. I think having a winter like this where you really actually feel the impacts is changing mindsets a little bit, at least about tourism. And I like, again, I don't think too much tourism is good like there probably shouldn't be 300 cars at oberg mountain every fall like that's probably not great at the same time though the forest service audits it and they go and they count the cars and they are like actively making a decision every year do we need to expand this parking lot or is this one week in a year like not actually making enough damage to worth expand like there are people whose jobs it are it is to worry about over tourism and leave no trace like it's not mine i mean i do like consider it of course but like i am not the one responsible for the monitoring impact well and i also think like a great opportunity for the social media e people sharing stuff um like myself included is share alternate hikes oberg super sick i love oberg i still went to oberg but when i drove up to the trailhead and saw that there was parking going up and down both sides of the road i was like "Mm, not the moment for this one so then i came back later on that night actually or not that like later on that afternoon and the cars were gone because it was a Sunday and people started heading back down to the cities so it's like okay so if the trailhead seems really full have a backup plan go to the backup plan and I think that's such a cool part of a Sharon is that we can share like how to have backup hikes how to pivot I don't know I think that gatekeeping for locations and hikes and stuff like that I think that when people are like trying to gatekeep I think it's just coming from a very like selfish place 
and they're not thinking about they're only thinking about the negatives that come from it they're not thinking about the positives like it's stupid to yeah. like be yeah. upset about just sharing places to go <laughs> i definitely think that's true and i really do understand how in different areas it is different like the upper midwest mm-hmm. is a completely different ecosystem than sedona than some of the like alpine hikes up in like the north cascades that see like tenfold the visitors that we see here um like i do mm-hmm. understand how people are where the concern is coming from there and like that the resources are different and limited in different ways, especially for like people who are sharing stuff. That's not actually a hike stuff that's off trail and like trespassing or damaging indigenous cultural sites. Like that's, that is like something to be concerned about for real. Um, But that's not what's happening in the Midwest. (laughs) Um, It's, it's different. I think you're completely right, Maggie. Yeah. I think everyone just needs to calm down and let, let un- let unexperienced people know about some fun places to go that are safe and accessible for them and you know cuz we all need to get outside and better our mental health and i also I just feel like people are more likely to advocate for the protection of these places if they have an experience and a memory and a love for this place cuz it is so easy to be indifferent about an area that you just don't know. Whereas if you have some form of just even the tiniest sliver of connection, like you are so much more likely to advocate for its protection when it all of a sudden is on like the chopping block of let's mine here. Let's do this here. Let's do that here. But all of a sudden now that you have or you've had this experience there, you're like, oh, no, we don't want that, you know? No, I think you like that is really important. Like the Save the Boundary Waters campaign was one of the most successful anti-mining campaigns like probably ever. And it's also the most visited wilderness area. And I don't think that that, that is a coincidence that it was saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that just goes to show that if you're ups- if you find yourself being upset with like people sharing locations and places to hike and stuff maybe put that energy into like starting an organization that can help protect it just like going out and like picking up garbage once a week or something like instead of just being upset about people sharing places I don't know that's just that's just what I think I think people are just some people that get upset about things like that they're just like they they're just mad about it and they don't do anything about it when it's like well if you're actually mad you would be taking action yeah i I think that's a really good no i think that's like a really good point there's a lot of more meaningful ways to direct that energy and that like concern about leave no trace the and like climate anxiety in general yeah for sure um okay well i really enjoyed this conversation do we have anything else that we want to touch on I think I've asked everything I've wanted to ask or that you could realistically ask for one podcast. Um, Again, it's been a little all over the place, but that's how my brain works. Um, Thank you so much for coming on, Maddie. I am so glad that we were all able to make the time and sit down and record an episode with you. This was such a fun conversation, honestly. I think people are really going to enjoy this. 
Yes, absolutely. And it's so fun to be on. I like I, I told Reese, but I like binge listen to your podcast on the plane from Washington to Minneapolis uh, a few months ago. And I've been listening ever since. So it's kind of, kind of weird to be like hearing your voices and able to interact with them. Little parasocial moment for me, I guess. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so cute. Thank you so much for listening and being a supporter. I know you've shared our podcast before in the past so we really really appreciate it thank you guys so much for having me on everyone go follow maddie on instagram and tiktok and subscribe to her Substack. we will link all the things as we usually do and also um go follow me and maggie on social media i want some more followers um and rate us five stars (laughs) (laughs) i never get to do the closing and i just went for it today (laughs) bye bye